I asked him to pray for the sermon, so that was very special for him to uh, call me up and pray for me. But, but now as we turn to the Lord's, uh, to the Lord's uh, Word to hear from him, uh, we look at this clip from the TV show, This Is Us, and the woman asked in this uh, clip here, what are you thinking? And Kevin is, the main character there, is thinking about what he should do in that exact moment. And to help him process, to answer that, to figure out what he should do, he thinks back to what his dad would do. There's a person in our church that I respect a lot. He serves in several different uh, ministry capacities and in leadership. And pretty regularly, if we're sitting in a, in a meeting or in a committee, I will just see him close his eyes. And when I first saw him uh, do this, I thought, well, maybe he's bored or he's frustrated. But it's pretty clear that there's a sweetness on his face that you know that he is praying. He's seeking to get a sense of how the Lord is leading him in that moment or how he is leading us in the church. And uh, I respect him for that a lot. In fact, as a church and as individual Christians, we want to be, a, we want to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. We're in the middle of a sermon series called This Is Us. And in this series, we are looking at who God wants us to be as a church. And so far, we've been looking at our mission statement. The last three weeks, we've looked at this statement that West Covina Christian Church exists to spread a passion for God so that He is above all else in our lives, church, and community. And so this mission statement is what we are to be about. This is our what. And now this morning, we're going to switch just slightly to consider the how. The mission statement is the what, and now we are going to consider how are we to actually carry out the mission statement. Not so much the programs and the ministries, but the the underlying attitudes and beliefs and values that we are to hold that influence the way that we live and minister. And so the how is just as important as the what. The Bible teaches us that we could do all kinds of good things. We could have the best programs around. We could have the best worship in town and have fantastic sermons and ministries and outreach programs. But if our motivations are off, then it is no good. Think of the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith to move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And so we want to look at this, the how, the heart attitude. And these underlying attitudes and beliefs that describe the how of our ministry, we will refer to as cultural values. A definition of, culture, of a cultural value is this, the underlying beliefs and attitudes that influence how we minister, interact, and make decisions at the church. And so the vision team has been wrestling with this together. We've been trying to identify what should be the cultural values of our church. What are these underlying beliefs and 
attitudes that should, that should influence everything that we do. And we've wrestled with this and come up with four. And I hope that as we talk about this over the next four weeks, that you'll recognize that these are things that are hopefully all already in the church. And we want to capitalize and build upon and emphasize and build up so that we can be even more about what God is calling us to do, how he is calling us to do it. So here are the four. One, spirit-led sensitivity. That's what we'll talk about this morning. Two, daring openness in ministry. Three, deep togetherness. And four, Christ-like gentleness. So those are the four cultural values that we want to give emphasis to. The first is spirit-led sensitivity. And the vision team has defined it in this way. We rely on the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit to guide our plans and decisions for worship, church life, and ministry. So as we seek to do the mission statement, as we seek to do what God has called us to do, this is, this is one of the things that we want to just have rooted and grounded in everything we do. We want to have a reliance on the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit to guide our plans and our decisions for worship, church life, and ministry. Throughout the scriptures, we see this idea of spirit-led sensitivity. I mean, it's saturated all over all the heroes of the faith. When we think of Abraham and his son Isaac, there was spirit-led sensitivity. When you think of Moses leading the people out of Egypt, there was spirit-led sensitivity. Or Samuel learning uh, from Eli to answer the Lord's call in this way. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the list could go on and on about the prophets and the apostles. And one of the most powerful examples is from Mary, Jesus' mother. Remember Mary, the angel comes and speaks to her and gives her this almost incomprehensible news that she has conceived by the Holy Spirit and will be the mother of the Son of God. And this is her response. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That right there in a nutshell is spirit-led sensitivity. That Mary heard from the Lord and she was humble before him and received what seemed impossible with a willingness to follow. May we as a church be that kind of people. May we be able to respond like Mary. We are the Lord's servants. May your word to us be fulfilled. May we be able to sense how God is leading us. And then whatever it is, may we be faithful to that call. May his word to us be fulfilled. And I have a feeling that this penetrates every area of the church, from ministry meetings in which decisions are made, to how we gather on Sunday mornings, to how we seek to listen to the Lord as we worship Him, as we turn to the Scriptures. But in all things, we want to be led by the Spirit, to have Spirit-led sensitivity so that we stay humble and dependent upon the Lord. And we seek Him in prayer and just seeking to listen to how He speaks to us. As I said, the vision team, as we wrestled with these things, we wanted to look at our church and where we are and where God has brought us to be. And one of the stories we, uh, we considered together 
was how the Quakers helped Japanese Americans during World War II. We, went, we were just look, thinking back on just events that seemed to be formational to us as a congregation, and we know that there are many in our church, some of whom would not be here if it were not for Christians coming alongside of them during that difficult time of, uh, of mistreatment and persecution. See, the, when America was saturated in anti-Japanese sentiment, the Quakers sensed the Lord's leading to come alongside those who were mistreated and to offer help. And many of these Christians moved into the relocation camps so that they were frequently found serving meals, teaching children an adult uh, education class, providing youth activities, and leading worship services. And the Quakers knew to do that simply because they had heard the Lord's leading. In fact, in our area, it was, the Fr- it was the Whittier Friends Church that as they were meeting for worship, there was a sense that God was speaking to them. And within the Quakers, there is this embedded culture that I hope will, is, is going to take deeper and deeper root that we have that same kind of culture that the Lord speaks to us and we are moved. And so these friends came alongside of those that were Uh, going through this hardship, and they ministered to them. But it wasn't just this one isolated incident. This is how I know it is a part of their culture. Over and over again, the Quakers have been in the forefront of so many important movements. Anti-slavery movement, the humane treatment of Native Americans, education improvements, prison reform, care for the mentally ill, women's rights and suffrage. And I look at all of that list and I think, oh, Jesus, just may it be true of us as well. May we be led by the Spirit however He would lead us. May we have a culture that we are seeking to listen and to act in the same type of way. That doesn't mean that we can meet every need. Surely it doesn't. In fact, I have uh, two of my closest friends in the ministry are uh, pastors at Glendora Friends Church. I meet with them. I met with them just a couple days ago. And I meet with them every month. And one of the things that we've talked about is they will recognize very clear and obvious needs. And they'll say, as we gather together for prayer and discernment, we can't meet those needs. Or, or at least the Lord is not calling us to. And that's okay if that is the Lord's leading. Thomas, Thomas Kelly, a great, great uh, Quaker from a century ago, said, We cannot die on every cross, nor are we expected to. See, as a church and even as individual Christians, it's our desire to hear from the Lord. Not to meet every need, but to be led by His Spirit. To move in this direction, to not move in that direction. And to be uh, able to say yes to His call, to have Mary's attitude that I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Spirit-led sensitivity is obviously rooted in the idea that the Holy Spirit lives within us. And we've talked a lot about this as we went through the book of Acts, but it's very clear from the scriptures and even from our own experience that the Holy Spirit lives in everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And just as each person has the Spirit, the Bible teaches us that when two or three gather together in Jesus' name, Jesus says He is there 
in their midst. And so God meets with us in a special way. When we all come together with that, heart, that humility in our attitude to say, God, we need to hear from you. The best teaching on the Holy Spirit in the Bible comes from Jesus himself in John 14 through 16. And here he gives his disciples a lot of instructions concerning the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read, I want to look at just a couple places here together this morning. First of all, John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And uh, I have oftentimes been amazed at that verse. Surely his disciples, and we would imagine the same thing, would have thought it would be much better to have Jesus in his physical body sitting here right before us that we could interact with, that we could hear his voice, that we could, we could uh, embrace him. And, and surely it would be better, but Jesus says, no, that it is for our good that he goes away so that he can send the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, to us. I think part of the, one of the obvious reasons that that would be the case is even Jesus in his physical body was not able to be with people all the time. Jesus would come and people would be blessed to be in his presence. We think of, Martha, we think of Mary who sat at his feet. We think of the man who thought, if I just get close enough to touch his robe, I'll be healed. And then the thing is, in his presence, all were blessed, but he then needed to Go away. As he said, I must go into other towns and villages to proclaim the good news of Christ, the good news of himself. The disciples were with Jesus in the boat one day, and a storm arose. And uh, even though Jesus was there, he was asleep, and the storm raged around, and still they were afraid the boat was going to capsize. And it wasn't until they were able to wake Jesus up that he was able to calm the storm. And I just want to emphasize to us the blessing of the Holy Spirit is he never has to be woken up. He's always with us. He's with us even now that we can hear his voice. We can be led by him. In fact, I recognize that each one of us is here this morning because we know that we need God's help. If it wasn't for a desire for God to be in our lives, we might as well be out playing golf or something. But we are here because we recognize we need to be led by the Spirit. We're here because we recognize that Jesus has saved us and we want to give him praise and glory. And so this is the good news. It is through the Holy Spirit given to us that God is in our lives and that provides us comfort and strength and help and peace. And he pours out his love through the Holy Spirit given to us. In the midst of this discussion about the Holy Spirit in John's Gospel, one of the disciples asks a really wonderful question. In fact, I think it's basically the same question we're asking ourselves this morning. In John 14, 22, it says, Judas, and then, and then John clarifies to make sure we understand this is not Judas Iscariot, but one of the other disciples. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that 
you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? You see, Judas recognized what we know that God is omnipresent. His spirit is everywhere all at once. But he saw, but he heard in Jesus' teaching that there was a special way in which God would reveal himself to his followers. And so Judas asked, how is it that you're going to show yourself to us that is different than the way that you uh, show yourself to the world? And in a sense, it's the same question that we're asking this morning. God, how are you going to reveal yourself to us? How are you going to show us your way and your will? How are we going to be a people that, is, that has spirit-led sensitivity? So Jesus goes on to answer Judas's good question in verses 23 through 27. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be... Your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so here in this passage, we see three spirit-led principles that I just want to bring to our attention. The first is that spirit-led sensitivity is based on union with the Holy Spirit. In verse 23, he says, We will come and make our home with him. So we will be united with him. A home is where, you're, where you live, where you're at. 1 Corinthians teaches us that as Christians, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. We are united with him all the time. That's crucial for spirit-led sensitivity. And so that means that we, are in, that God, we cannot be separated from the Spirit of Christ who lives in us. Now, at first glance, it appears that this union with Jesus is based on conditional love. If we love God, then we will be united with Him. If anyone does not love me, he will, uh, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Well, in one sense, maybe it is partially conditional, the way, that we receive, the way that we have our union with Christ is because we love Him. Now we recognize that the Bible teaches, and we know this from experience, we love Him because He first loved us. God took the initiative and we respond simply by the work of His Spirit in our hearts. But I think what Jesus is really getting at here is if we keep His commandments and we are able to live into that relationship that He has given us, we have been united with him when we are saved, and when we keep his commandments, that is when we take full advantage of the Spirit within us, that when we are able to really connect with God and have that relationship of love and fellowship and friendship. Disobedience is what robs us from being able to 
be sensitive to His Spirit's leading in us. What robs us from being able to sense His peace and His love, His compassion and His guidance to us. My parents are visiting here this morning from, uh, uh, for, they, they winter in Arizona, but they live most of the year in Iowa. And so they come out and visit, spend a weekend with us every year, and so it's a blessing to have them with us. There is a reason that they spend two months in Arizona every year, because this is what Iowa looks like. Oh, back it up one slide. This is what Iowa looks like. Now next slide. This is what uh, Arizona looks like. We were looking at the forecast last night. Wednesday in my parents' hometown in Iowa, the temperature is negative 25 degrees. A wind chill of negative 50. You know what the temperature in Phoenix is? 73. So that's why you uh, winter in Arizona if you live in Iowa. But with the cold comes all kinds of snow. How many of you have ever tried to drive in a really bad snowstorm, like in a blizzard? Yeah, it is super hard. I mean, sometimes you can barely see the road in front of you. In fact, every year there will be people that are driving and simply drive into the ditch because they have no idea where the road is before them. And life can feel like a blizzard sometimes. It's hard to see the road before us. And I don't know about you, but I sense that I need God's help to be a good parent, to be a good husband, to be able to know how to lead and pastor this church. And I recognize that I need spirit-led sensitivity. And there are challenges for all of us how to balance life and family and ministry. There are challenges with uh, financial decisions and work-related decisions. And life is so much harder than when the blows of sickness and disease come, when tragedy and broken relationships are there, and we feel like we're driving through a blizzard and we're about to drive off off the side of the road and we don't even know it. And that is why, as a church and as Christians, we need to uh, humble ourselves and pray and seek God's direction. We need spirit-led sensitivity. In fact, Jesus says here in this passage that there is peace in this kind of a relationship. There is a peace in knowing that we are united with God and that He will lead us in the best way forward. And so that's the promise that Jesus will come and make His home with us, that He will never leave us nor forsake us, but that we are united with Him through the Holy Spirit and He will help us. And so that leads us to principle number two. Principle number two is this, that spirit-led sensitivity is based on partnership with the Holy Spirit in life and ministry. In verse 25, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our helper. And that partnership that we share with Him is seen really clearly here in verses 12 and 13. Truly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, Whoever believes in me will, will also do works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. 
Whenever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now that is an amazing teaching, that we will do greater things than Jesus himself. And I look at that and I think, Jesus healed people, and he fed thousands by multiplying bread and fish. He uh, forgave people their sins. Can we really do those things? Well, look at it this way. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do exactly what God needs done at any moment. That with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do exactly what God needs done at any moment. The key is not to be super powerful or even super spiritual. The key is simply to be sensitive to how God is leading you. And then he'll use you in amazing ways. Then we will be partners with God in his work. You know that clip, uh, Kev, uh, from This Is Us. Could you guys see that? It seemed dark from up here, but you could follow what was going on. Kevin is there, and, uh, and he senses there's something not right with his brother, and he leaves the scene, and he goes, and he sits with uh, his brother, in, uh, who's basically having an emotional breakdown. And Kevin's no believer, and he probably doesn't have the Holy Spirit if you watch the show, but there is that sensitivity there that I think is the type of sensitivity that we long for. There are times when God will just uh, lead us to come alongside of a brother or sister and just sit with them. In fact, if we are sensitive to his spirit's leading, he will guide us to come alongside the hurting. He will challenge us uh, to, uh, be of, to be in prayer for those in need. He will he will lead us to even challenge people in their faith to love and to give sacrificially. Matthew 11, in Matthew 11, Jesus describes life with him in this way. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, the, those that heard that uh, in that day, they would have known quickly what a yoke was. A yoke was this big uh, wooden bar that was placed between two oxen. I grew up on a farm, but we didn't have oxen. We were fortunate to be in the day of tractors. Uh, but in that day, they would have known if you hook two ox together, they are much more effective and powerful than if each of them just does work on their own. And in fact, if they work apart, they make their lives much more difficult. But if they work together, they are stronger. One ox, if one ox could plow one field by himself in a day and the other ox could plow another field by himself in a day, joined together, they could do four fields. That was the idea that when we partner, when the two ox work together, they would be more effective. And the same thing is true for us as well. Not just that we'd be more productive, but that we would be focused on the right things. You see, the Spirit leads us and guides us in our lives so that we are working in partnership with Him to make a difference for things that will last for all eternity. And is that not what we want to be about as Christians and as a church? We don't want to live our lives and how many ever decades that is and then one day die and it's done. 
We want to be able to live in such a way that it makes a difference. And the way we do that is to live in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I once heard a definition of prayer as this. Prayer is talking to, talking to God about what we are doing together. Is that prayer for you? Talking to God about what you're doing together? Sometimes I find myself in prayer, God, you do this, you do this, I have to do this, and I'm ticked off about it. And so one person is doing one thing, and another person is doing another thing. But what if prayer is talking to God about what we are doing together? You see, all of us come this morning, and there are things before us. What if it, what if it is that we change our mindset that I don't have to do these things, but I do these things with the Holy Spirit who lives in me? Prayer is talking to God about what we are doing together. And so that leads us to our third principle. Spirit-led sensitivity is based on having a conversational relationship with the Spirit. We talk to God, God talks to us. The conversational relationship is what's behind verses 26 and 27 that we already read, but let me just look at them once more. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. The Spirit will talk to us. He will teach you all things and bring you, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, not my peace I give to you, or my peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I think a conversational relationship with the Lord is one of the most beautiful pictures of what it means to be a Christian. That we would be able to be in relationship with God now, those that we converse with, we know, right? And the e- easiest conversation you have is with your best friend or with your spouse. And that is the picture that we have here. A conversational relationship with God through the Holy Spirit is where peace is found because there is a friendship. Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. So think of your closest friendship. Is that not an easy flowing conversation? You just share with, what, you share with him or her whatever is on your heart. And what if that kind of relationship was with us all the time through the Holy Spirit? That doesn't mean we have to fill every moment with a word. But it does mean that we converse with the Lord. That even as we go about our daily activities, we have a connection with God. You know, I referred to Thomas uh, Kelly a moment ago, that Quaker uh, that lived about 100 years ago. But I I refer to him because he is so helpful along these lines. Let me read another quote. There is a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level, we may be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration. Song and worship and a gentle, recept- and a gentle receptiveness to divine breathings. See, this is what it looks like to be in relationship with God. To be in close, intimate fellowship with Him. To be able to... Uh, as we're going about our daily business, even in other conversation that we are in, that we are conversing with the Holy Spirit, with God in us. 
I found that it helps to develop this kind of conversational relationship with God if we start our days in communion with, with, in conversation with God and we end our days in conversation with God. Some, someone once told me, let God have the first word of the day and the last word of the day. And so we start by just coming before the Lord as we wake up and spending time with Him looking at his scriptures and letting him speak to us. I know someone uh, in our church that they have a long commute on the train every morning. They use that as time to be with the Lord. They start their day with God in that way. And then as we go to sleep, to pray, or to reflect upon where has God shown up that day. And I have a journal that sits behind my, on my nightstand. That's how I connect with the Lord at night. And I have found that if I let God have the first word of the day and the last word of the day, all of a sudden I see Him throughout the whole day. And we have that conversational relationship with Him. You see, with the Holy, uh, this is the type of relationship that we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus we see waking up early in the morning even before the sun is out and going and spending time with the Father. We see him doing the same at night, drawing away to spend time with the Father. Have you ever wondered how is it that Judas Iscariot knew to find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he turned him over to the Roman soldiers? It's because that was his regular practice. He'd oftentimes go out at night into the garden to pray and to converse with the Lord. And then we see here in uh, John 14, he says, In that day, Jesus says, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in, him, and I in you. In other words, the same kind of relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father is the kind of relationship that we can have with him through the Holy Spirit. It is a relationship of union, it's a relationship of partnership, and it's a relationship of conversation. So this is our first cultural value, spirit-led sensitivity. And I see us as a church being uh, sensitive to how God can lead us. We've talked a long time about how is God going to lead us as a church to reach our community. And I see us being able to be led by the Spirit to know exactly how He is leading us. And I see us as we gather in meetings and committees to have a spirit of prayer about us that we take time to, to sense how is He leading us. I see us as a church being able to come together to to pray within our worship services, to have prayers not only offered to God, but spend time in having listening prayers from the Lord. I envision people as we go into the social hall after the service, just having a sensitivity. God, who are you leading me to sit with today? And to realize that, th that God may lead us just to know who we are to minister to even in that small way. I envision us having an easiness about our ministry where we're able to slow down enough that it's not just running from one activity to the next, but being able to rest in God's presence. Taking big steps of faith, taking small steps of faith, and however we sense that the Lord is leading us. You know, I see people in our church with spirit-led sensitivity that are making life-altering decisions because of how God is leading them. I see people giving money and time 
valuable resources, even in radical ways because of how the Spirit is leading them. And their heart's desire is to see the kingdom of God advanced. I see people giving up uh, vacation time so they can go on missions trips and giving up personal time so they can serve in ministry. And it's all because of the Spirit leading, the Spirit working in our hearts. So I love the idea of Spirit-led sensitivity. It is a beautiful picture of who we can be as a church. Okay, we've talked about it long enough, so now we should do it, right? And uh, so I thought it would be a wonderful time for us just to, as we close our service today, to have some time of prayer and singing together and, uh, and for us just to be, come humbly before God, to be attentive to His leading, to be quiet before Him and to receive from Him. Brianna and Jessica, who both serve on our vision team, are going to help us in, uh, in this regard. They're going to come and lead us in this, in this guided time with the Lord. And it's a time for us just to be sensitive to His Spirit's leading and to spend some time in prayer. So as they come, let me take a minute and pray for us. Father God, I...